All right. Uh, thanks for praying for us uh, this week when we were away on the elder retreat. Um, this is what you got out of that. No. Uh, we thought, uh, independent of that, we would try something different uh, to be a little bit closer to one another, where we could see each other worshiping. We, we uh, want to embrace the opportunity that we have as uh, a smaller congregation to actually be with one another and not just sit in rows. So I know that there's like things that we can't overcome with that, but hopefully um, this helps a little bit with just being able to feel like we're doing this together as we see each other across the aisles. Um, so uh, appreciate your prayers, though. Uh, we, we did talk about some more significant things and how the chairs are arranged and uh, excited to to see some of that unfold. I'm still kind of unpacking some of that, so your continued prayers would be appreciated. But uh, we were in agreement that we need to be serious about following Jesus. So <laughs> it's kind of a joke, um, of course. Uh, but uh, what does that look like? And so a as we start to think about like uh, some new things, uh, some new opportunities, uh, we're going to be sharing those with you uh, shortly, but, uh, but just know that um, overall, I mean, that that's, is where it's coming from. We, we do want to take, continue to take steps forward in what it means to, to really grow as followers of Jesus and, uh, and what, what's lacking, uh, what, what do we need to, uh, where do we need to fill in gaps in that, and what could be like really helpful in the days ahead uh, for us to, to be engaged in. So, Everything was on the table uh, as that goes or with that goal in mind. Also pre appreciate your prayers, and I know that she does as well uh, for Marissa this week. Uh, actually surprised that she is with us, ple pleasantly surprised. Uh, so you can gently lay a hand on her uh, if you see her, but uh, still in a lot of pain. So keep your prayers coming uh, that it's uh, the pain of recovery and, and not the same stuff. So that's what we continue to ask Jesus for. A lot of stuff going on uh, in the world, in the church in the world. Uh, so maybe you've been praying about and following uh, some of the Beth Moore, John MacArthur story, and uh, hopefully praying for both of them. Uh, haven't had a chance to talk to Sydney uh, about that, but I have a daughter who is preaching now, and so this uh, hit particularly close to home. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Google will help you with that. I'm not going to get into it, but um, just uh, some ways in which parts of the church just don't know how to speak to one another, uh, unfortunately, and don't know how to handle some things. Um, a longtime servant of uh, Christianity in music, Toby Mack, lost his oldest son this week. Uh, Nathan is uh, very close friends with uh, Truitz, uh, was, was his close friend, um, Ira, uh, and so uh, that is something that has been going on uh, in, for, for him as well as he ministers to Ira being away. Ira's kind of their adopted son. Uh, was was in school with Truett and uh, one of his closest friends, but um, a lot of a lot of stuff surrounding that that's really sad. And so just be praying for that family. Um, maybe you've been following this story, but uh, hopefully, if you have, you've been praying for a little boy named James Younger, seven year old, whose mom is trying to uh, 
turning him into a girl, basically, uh, at seven years old. And uh, his parents are in a very heated custody battle uh, because of this. And uh, some crazy rulings of our, our legal system has uh, made that almost uh, possible uh, in, in a way that the, the father was not able to have a say in that. Uh, something came back this week that overturned that. So praying that that still goes in the right direction. Uh, very sad, very sad story uh, about where we are as a culture in a lot of ways. Uh, maybe none of that has crossed your mind this week. Maybe you didn't know about any of these things. You're like, what is he talking about? I've got to go get in touch with uh, the world around me a little bit more. Uh, but uh, because you just got your stuff going on, and that's what has consumed your thoughts and your prayers uh, this week. And that's okay. Um, we talked last week about how we are wrestling not against flesh and blood. And so in the context of any of that stuff where we see... Uh, someone as the potential enemy, we have to recognize that that's not the real enemy. That's not what we're actually up against. We're up against something much deeper, much more powerful than any of that stuff, uh, any of those people could be. And uh, the, the enemy is close to us, and he's fighting, uh, wrestling with us in a, in a close way. And so uh, as we looked at that last week, am I working? Lots of technical difficulties this week. All right, somebody's going to have to do it manually. Sorry. Advanced slide. So did, that, did I do that or did you do that, Ben? Okay, so I'm going to put that down. You and I will stay together unless somebody else wants to do it. Um, so we said uh, this, this passage, the final passage that we're in in Ephesians kind of breaks down into three sections. We looked at last week and kind of said this is what the, the, uh, the armor of God, the, why we need that. Uh, it's a big deal. Paul wants us to uh, look at and, and understand that we need an armor, that it isn't something, the Christian life isn't something we can go into flippantly and casually, that we are in a battle, that we are in a war, and there's armor uh, that God supplies that is needed. This week, we look at more of a description of what that armor is that we are supposed to put on, and then uh, next week, we'll look at kind of a call to prayer that uh, kind of caps that off uh, to be on guard. Working again? Awesome. All right. Take the control back. All right, here's a good sermon. If you want to take a picture of this uh, from a guy named John Sayers, Mark Sayers, sorry, um, that uh, kind of goes a lot with last week, but, uh, and he's talking very specifically, specifically to a church in Portland, but I think if you just substitute that for us, there's a lot of good applications. So I encourage you to go look at that if you get a chance, uh, and that will be posted as well with the rest of the slides uh, sometime tomorrow probably, but go ahead and get a jump on it and take a picture of it or write it down. That's the short version of that website. Okay, uh, Ephesians 6.13, we looked at last week, says, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. A lot of this talk for Paul, I, I think, comes from God's um, picture that he gave us through the prophet Isaiah uh, that Paul would have been very familiar with, a lot of his hearers would have been very familiar with, 
this idea of God being a warrior. Uh, Look at what Isaiah 59 says, uh, starting in verse 14. He says, justice is turned back. So God's people are saying, uh, what's going on? Like, where, what, where are you, God? Why aren't you uh, in this? Uh, and, and, and so uh, Isaiah the prophet is speaking to what he sees before him. And he says, justice is turned back and righteousness stands far away. For truth has stumbled in the public squares. Think about how this applies today in 2019. For truth has stumbled in the public squares and uprightness cannot enter. Man, it's just right on. Truth is lacking, Isaiah writes. And he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. The Lord saw it and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought him salvation, and his righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, so he will repay. Wrath to his adversaries, repayment to his enemies. To the coastlands, he will render repayment. So they shall fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. For he will come like a rushing stream, which the wind of the Lord drives. And a redeemer will come to Zion. To those in Jacob who turn from transgression, declares the Lord. So we see God in this battle mode, in this battle armor, coming to rescue his people from the tragedy of the day. And what he's going to do in this passage is basically give us six things that are important to him. Important enough for him to say, this is my armor. And I want you to put on the armor of God. This isn't, uh, I made this armor for you guys. This is God's armor. Okay, understand that. This is the, the same armor that God says is mine. And he commands us to put it on, that we put on truth, that we put on righteousness, that we put on the gospel, that we put on faith, that we put on salvation, and that we put on the word of God. So as we get into this, verse 14 says, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. Truth has been revealed in the gospel, Paul wrote in chapter one and in chapter four. And we are commanded to speak it. Uh, And he talked about that in chapter 4 and in chapter 5. In fact, this passage is, uh, 10 through 20, is a lot of like summary and hearkening back to all the truths that he's been teaching in Ephesians up to this point. And kind of bringing it all together in this way to say action with this stuff. Like good theology, good stuff to know, don't leave it at that put it on and go into battle. And so he's saying, stand therefore. Uh, The first thing is to put on the belt of truth. Jesus, we're told in chapter four, is the source of that truth, of the source of all truth. So we have to be people who first uh, speak truth to ourselves. We've got to know truth 
We've got to believe truth. We've got to remind ourselves of truth because the world and the enemy that's controlling the world in so many ways and, and the voices of the world that are uh, speaking to us are lies that if we're not on guard, if we're not vigilant about this, like a warrior going into battle, that we uh, are, are going to miss truth. We're going to, to believe that stuff. We're going to hear that stuff so much that it's going to get in us. And that's, that happens to us all the time. We have to unwind from this world. We've been tainted by it in so many ways, and our flesh is even attracted to us. So that doesn't help because we kind of want to believe it. I mean, there's lots of things that the world is saying and offering that, we, that appeal to us. Uh, and, and, and even something that we can take as seemingly good is because the enemy has just twisted it just enough to, to distract us from what the real truth is. So we have to be on guard and vigilant to hear the truth for ourselves. And then we've got to speak it to one another. We've got to be reminding each other of this truth, uh, whether it's in just conversations, uh, encouragement, as you think about it, as the Spirit brings people to mind, uh, as, uh, as, as things are happening in one another's lives, that you say, uh, maybe I should say, no, like get in the Spirit and go and say, speak truth when you're called to. Don't shrink back from that. Uh, the Lord wants us to share that with one another. When we get together uh, in times of small group settings like Calm Group, uh, those are opportunities to speak truth to one another. And we've got to speak it to the world. So, I mean, if we, we can't speak it to ourselves, we can't speak it to one another, then how are we going to be that effective in speaking truth to the world? One, we've got to like wrestle with some of this stuff ourselves uh, because sometimes our speaking truth to one another doesn't go so well, right? We've uh, we got to work through that. Well, if we're already signed up to say, I know that you're supposed to speak truth to me and, and you know that I'm supposed to speak truth to you and it doesn't go well, one time, at least we have that foundation, right? We, we can come back to that, like, I, I know you love me, and I know you're doing the right thing, and I know you're trying. And so let's come back together and figure this out. We don't have that kind of relationship with the world. I mean, they're going to cut us off right away if we're not careful. And so we've got to exercise some of those muscles, speaking truth to ourselves, speaking truth to one another, and to be able to, to truly come uh, with the message of hope and love to the world that we're supposed to in truth. Okay? So uh, the belt of truth, we put that on as a reminder. Um, when, when, and there's all kind of like, crazy, silly, you know, sermons that uh, go along with this in a way that, like, help you to visualize. And if that works for you, I think it's great. Like, Paul didn't intend for us to dissect every part of, of a Roman soldier's uh, armor and go too deep with this analogy. He's just using it, something that's very familiar, something that's uh, powerful, in their culture uh, to, to be able to understand this. And so, yes, uh, if you want to borrow some ways of uh, engaging with the, with the Spirit from uh, the, uh, the, the, the Celtic uh, people who, who did this kind of thing, they would like pray prayers as they got dressed uh, about the things that they were putting on. 
and, and they let that kind of guide them into the day. Uh, so yeah, if you wear a belt, then think about it. Um, something else may be your whatever of truth. Um, but the, the important thing is that we're putting on truth. Uh, we're, we're, we're putting on the truth of God in our lives, okay? Uh, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. This was a very important component of uh, the warrior's uh, outfit, uh, his protection for vital organs, uh, the, the breastplate. And, and so uh, what does it mean to put on the breastplate of righteousness? Paul talked about right living or righteousness in chapter 4 and chapter 5. Uh, that's basically what righteousness is. It's, it's the right way of living. It's Jesus' way. Uh, righteousness. Not imputed righteousness. Okay, This isn't the kind of righteousness that uh, gives us our standing before God. So it's important to differentiate between that because we don't have to put that on. Jesus has already put that on us. There's nothing we can do about it. That's been put on us, put in us. We have been given righteousness through Jesus. There was nothing we could do to create that righteousness. That makes for our right standing before God Almighty. But this is the kind of practical uh, living out uh, kind of righteousness uh, that is supposed to be reflective of the person of Jesus. So this is us becoming, looking more and more like Jesus. Uh, that kind of right living that we're supposed to pursue and we're supposed to put on. So um, how do we do that every day? Thinking about like how uh, am I going to live my life um, as if I have a breastplate of righteousness on, like that I am committed to, that I am ready for uh, the, the world's attacks against the efforts of the Spirit to move me in the direction of right living. Yet everything is coming against me. And that's the, uh, going back to his, his command to stand in the midst of that, to stand firm, uh, to, to keep on living uh, in the right way, that nothing would uh, mess that up. Verse 15, um, the Warriors got the best shoes. They were like, you know, the, the NBA guys uh, just getting like all the gear, right? And these were the best of the best uh, of the day. And to have really good shoes in this culture gave them a, a distinct advantage. They were able to uh, pursue uh, and, and go places. This was like the four-wheel drive of, of their day. Like they could uh, get on foot places where normal people couldn't go. And if you tried to hide, um, they could get there. And they could get there quicker than you. And so this gave them a real advantage. Uh, shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Always be ready to share the good news is the point here. That if we have the, the, the shoes on our feet, if, we're, if we're, our, our shoes are, are affixed to us in a way that we're ready to go, we're ready to move, we don't have to like wake up in the middle of the night and look for our shoes so that we can go running. Um, they're already, they're there. They're ready to go. Like, uh, so anytime there is an opportunity that comes at us in the middle of the day, at school, at work, we weren't exactly in, uh, you know, church or anything. And so we didn't know this was like Jesus time. And the Holy Spirit said, yeah, it's always my time. And I want you to 
like take that conversation this direction because I just opened the door for you big time and you say, ah, I forgot my shoes today. Uh, no, they're on. They're ready to go. You're ready to run always. You're eager and excited to share the gospel, to proclaim the gospel. And that's what, what the gospel is. It's a proclamation. It's an announcement that Jesus is king that Jesus is Lord, against all the other things that might be competing for that, against all the, the, the alternate voices that are out there saying, uh, do this or do that, uh, Jesus is on the scene, this is his kingdom, and we speak to that as uh, proclaimers of, of his good news. Interesting thing right here, so right in the middle of all this talk about warfare and being you know, strong in the Lord and, and fighting this battle, uh, we have what amounts to um, an, a, a, a proclamation of peace. Because that's what the gospel is. That we would be ready to share Jesus' gospel of peace. Chapter 2 talked about this in verse 14 and verse 17. If you want to go back and look at some of Paul's teaching on that. He brings peace. The gospel should be, bring peace to people's lives. Uh, in, in the midst of turmoil, uh, there is uh, an overwhelming opportunity most of the time uh, in your relationships with people to bring a gospel of peace because there's more of a readiness to hear that, to receive it. Look for those opportunities. I'm not saying you awkwardly and uh, weirdly and salesman like, you know, push your way into someone's life who is suffering uh, and, and try to like proclaim the gospel uh, as the answer in that moment. But your presence with them, your uh, care for them, your understanding, uh, your uh, ministry to them continues to keep that door open. Uh, and, and the the Spirit will give you the right time to actually speak words as well to proclaim the gospel of peace in their life. But be people who believe that so much that you are able to bring peace to those situations. Like you may not be saying like this is how you come to know Jesus, but the, the things that you are saying are bringing Jesus, bringing the peace of Jesus into their life. Uh, and then you can apply that in a lot of different circumstances. Verse 16 says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. This is a big time shield. Okay, this is the size of a door shield that, that you can get behind. I don't have this picture, but I, I, I saw a, a picture and they, they showed, uh, and maybe you've seen police do this with, with their riot gear uh, shields. But, um, and I should have said this earlier, and I need to go back to it, because all of this stuff we're supposed to be applying as a group. And, and, and so to the extent that you've been thinking about this already as an individual, we talked about last week how it's so easy to do that. It just comes natural for us to, and this is kind of a, it seems like an individual thing to do. It's not. Paul is speaking, uh, all these commands are, are in the plural. He is speaking to the church. And so as a church, we're putting on this stuff. And so as we um, are, are putting on uh, faith, 
and, and taking up the shield of faith. Uh, the, this picture that I, I saw was one of like the front row. Everybody was behind their shield. They were kind of in a, a, a rectangle or box shape. And then uh, everybody on the sides had their shield out. And then everybody in the middle had their shields up. And everybody in the back had their shields behind them. And they were basically this like tank with those, you know, kind of shields, like just covered, like a, like a turtle, like they'd all gone in to the shell. And, and so you think about like how they could move together and be protected. That, that, um, and so the idea of, of us coming together and shielding ourselves together, we're so much more powerful and we're, we're able to gain that strength. We're able to gain that faith from one another when we come together in that way. Psalm 18.30 says, He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. And in uh, Psalm 28, he says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts and I am helped. God wants to give us more faith. He wants us to bring that together. Uh, in, in a way that he can supply. When your fake faith is weak, someone else's is strong, and we can gain strength from that uh, as an individual. We can gain strength by coming together as a body of believers. So it can't just be on our own. You can't just be like searching for this ideal moment of faith. You have to allow yourself to be strengthened by one another. And I know that's what you're committed to. I know that's why you're here. And we want to continue to do that well. All right, verse 17. Take up the helmet of salvation. This was like a big time helmet. Like you don't, if you play with this in the NFL, you don't have to worry about concussion protocol. Like this, you're, this is solid iron. They had to get sponges uh, from the sea and make cushioning for the inside of the helmet just so that they could stand wearing it because it was so heavy. Like most of us, our necks aren't strong enough to probably put on a, a Roman helmet made of solid iron. But there was nothing that was going to get through this. I mean, like you could take an axe uh, and, and probably give somebody a concussion with it, but it wasn't going to like split their head open or anything. Okay, it, it, you were fully protected uh, with this helmet. Uh, a lot of strength in this helmet. What is it? The helmet of salvation. First Thessalonians 5.8 uh, calls it uh, the hope of salvation. Basically, I think what Paul is saying is to us to not let the enemy get to our head. Do not let the enemy get inside your head with the hope of your salvation. That's what's going to keep him from getting inside your head. No, that's not who I am. I've been saved by Jesus. You remind him of that. You remind yourself of that. And that keeps him from messing with your thoughts, keeps him from messing with your uh, desires, your motivations, uh, as you recenter yourself on who you really are. This goes back to the identity that Paul talks so much about. Uh, and salvation is at the core of that. Because in salvation, that's where we find who we are. So it's reminding ourselves, it's understanding of that. Uh, this is the um, security of our salvation in, in Jesus, going back to that. So if that's something you're struggling with right now, uh, this, first of all, it's a safe place to do that. Uh, but struggle with it. Like, let's talk about it. Let's, let's work that out together. Again, going back to the faith. Uh, you may need some people to, to be shields of faith during this time as you struggle with that. But this is important. We have to get this 
this down so that we're, we don't continue to go into battle uh, with hearing the enemy in this way um, because we're, we haven't secured it and protected it. And then finally he says, uh, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, is the only weapon that he talks about, the only offensive weapon that, uh, that is in the armor of God. Uh, it's, it's not one of these big swords, that are, are, and it's not a spear. Uh, it, it's uh, a, a, more like a dagger, uh, more like uh, Bilbo Baggins, you know, the little, little one for close combat. Okay? Because what we've already said, Paul's taught us about the wrestling idea is that the enemy is close. And so when he comes close, we've got to be ready with this dagger, with this sword uh, for close combat. The spirit... He says, the sword of the Spirit, meaning the Spirit is what gives it power. We get power through the Word of God, which is the sword, to fight off the enemy, to fight off the attacks, and that's available to us. So we need to use it. We need to know Scripture, in other words. We need to understand uh, how it all fits together and, and uh, w- what good counsel is from the Scripture. Uh, you may be weak in that. Uh, we want to help with that. That's one of the things that, that, uh, that, that we talked about uh, on Tuesday and Wednesday is, is our need to grow uh, in our knowledge of Scripture and, and not just for the sake of being smarter Christians, but to, to be Christians who know uh, that they have this stuff at their disposal, at their access to be able to fight with when the enemy comes at them. Because it's not getting any easier. It's not like we're moving to uh, this Christian utopia kind of existence. We're, we're, we continue to live in a culture that is going to fight against us. And we have to be people who put on armor. And the important thing to understand about this is that none of us are exempt in the body of Christ. It, it, each of us is called to put on the whole armor of God. So you don't get to say, well, I'm going to be really good at this, and you, 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 you take the sword, and I'll handle the, the shield. Um, we, we all have to be putting all of that on. That's our goal. Now, yes, we may, from a starting point, say, this is where I'm weak, and this is where I'm strong, but we can't just stay there. We have to be uh, all continuing to grow and helping one another in that. Uh, Paul wrote this to Second Timothy, I mean to Timothy in, in Second Timothy. Uh, he says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Talking about being strong again. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So he's wanting, like, take what I've taught you and be able to share it with other people, uh, which is what we do in church. And then in verse 3, he says, Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. God, through Jesus and in the power of the Holy Spirit, has enlisted you to be a soldier, has enlisted me to be a soldier. And too often we go back to thinking like civilians. And that's exactly what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to get comfortable thinking like a civilian. And, and most of us in this room, if not all of us, uh, unless anybody's like uh, in the reserve that I don't know about, 
and you go away for a weekend every once in a while. Uh, most of us, are, all of us, are civilians. And we get to benefit from the protection of our armies, of our military, uh, in, in ways that give us freedom. So uh, we can sit back on the couch and relax and not have to think about, are we going to have to kill somebody today to, to protect ourselves? Or is somebody going to try to kill me today? Um, as I do this, like those, those things mostly don't cross our mind, especially in uh, suburban Brian Cloud Station. Uh, so um, we've got to like get out of that mindset as believers, though, because we are called into battle every day. And I was thinking about uh, just how like each day, if if I was if I was a soldier. And if I was completely aware of like what was going on in the, the war around me and, and how like this could be the day that I die uh, in battle. Like if I approach my Christian life like that, if I approach my life like I'm, I'm putting on God's armor and this, this may be it. Like I, I'm going to battle, but I don't have any promises of, of what you know, this is going to look like, then the, the, the way in which I do that, the way in which I, I live my life that day um, would be different than the casual, nominal Christianity that I so often settle for. And I think many of us do as well. And, and so if we're, if we're suited up for battle, then we're reminding ourselves that this is it. This is, this is our time. And we don't have necessarily tomorrow. And so uh, make the most of it. Make the most of, of every opportunity to share the gospel of peace, to, uh, to live rightly, uh, to increase our faith. Um, may we be people who are truly serious about knowing God's truth, about righteous living, about proclaiming the news of Jesus, about growing in our faith, about living in light of our salvation, and about applying God's word to our lives. We are suited up for battle. This is not a pajama party. We are not just casually going into this. Has to be intentional. Has to be an effort on our part. Uh, Patrick um, wrote this, uh, not the pink one, but the green one. Um, uh, at least it's attributed to him. Uh, St. Patrick in 433 AD. And I, it's called St. Patrick's Breastplate. And it's basically a, a little sermon unto itself that I want, to, want us to declare over ourselves and over our church as we come together uh, in communion. Uh, and if you're serving, you can go ahead and get that and, and come on up. But we're going to say this prayer. I've adapted it. It's an individual prayer. I've adapted it uh, to, to, to use plural language. Uh, if you Google this, you can find it. If you want to use this in your own prayer life, maybe this week, I think that would be a great idea. But I, I want us to, to stand because that's uh, part of what this is about and declare this truth and then just remain standing and we'll come and, and take communion together uh, as a declaration of that uh, which we believe in Jesus. So together, we arise today through a mighty strength the invocation of the Trinity through belief in the threeness, through confession of the oneness of the creator, 
of creation. We arise today through the strength of Christ's birth with his baptism, through the strength of his crucifixion with his burial, through the strength of his resurrection with his ascension, through the strength of his descent for the judgment of doom. We arise today through the strength of heaven, the light of the sun, the radiance of the moon, the splendor of fire, the speed of lightning, the swiftness of wind, the depth of the sea, the stability of the earth, the firmness of rock. We arise today through God's strength to pilot us, God's might to uphold us, God's wisdom to guide us, God's eye to look before us, God's ear to hear us, God's word to speak for us, God's hand to guard us, God's shield to protect us, God's host to save us from snares of devils, from temptation of vices, from everyone who shall wish us ill afar and near. We summon today all these powers between us and those evils against every cruel and merciless power that may oppose our bodies and our souls, against incantations of false prophets, against black laws of pagandom, against false laws of heretics, against craft of idolatry, against spells of witches and smiths and wizards, against every knowledge that corrupts man's body and soul. Christ to shield us today against poison, against burning, against drowning, against wounding, so that there may come to us an abundance of reward. Christ with us, Christ before us, Christ behind us, Christ in us, Christ beneath us, Christ above us, Christ on our right, Christ on our left, Christ when we lie down, Christ when we sit down, Christ when we arise, Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of us, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of us, Christ in every eye that sees us, Christ in every ear that hears us. May it be so. Come and receive.